Barack Obama gets wildly partisan at a memorial for Congressman John Lewis. Media members exploit Herman Cain's death to slam President Trump. And Trump struggles with the consequences of his insane threat to delay the election. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben. Well, there's one general rule when somebody who is prominent dies, and that is you kind of hold your fire at least for, you know, the next 30 seconds. And typically you don't use their memorials, particularly if they are very large figures. You don't use their memorials as sort of launching points for politics. This has been a rule that I I would say Republicans have been better at applying than Democrats in the recent past. Whenever a a major Democrat dies or whenever there's a bad event uh, that that results in death and and the Democrat speaks at the memorial, it very often turns into a political rally. So it's nothing new that that's what happened yesterday with regard to the memorial for Congressman John Lewis. There's precedent for this. When Senator Paul Wellstone died in a plane crash back in the 2000s, the Democratic Party held a full-out political rally stumping for progressive policy. When there was a a mass shooting in Arizona, that was the same shooting that, that injured Gabby Giffords, the congresswoman, Barack Obama deployed himself to Arizona, where he proceeded to rant and rave about gun control and talk about the evils of his Republican opponent. So it really was nothing new what happened at the John Lewis Memorial. That doesn't make it any better. And it does demonstrate the utter classlessness of a lot of people in our politics who tend to use death as a rationale for jumping into debate over over politics Purely speaking. Now, listen, I understand the temptation. I'm on Twitter, too. I get it. You know, and I can't say that I've been blameless in this my entire Twitter history. I will say that over the past few years, one of the things I've learned is the day somebody dies, just shut it. It says that the day somebody dies, let it go. The, the, the day of a memorial. What you want to talk about is the stuff that unified about the person. You don't want to talk about the stuff that was not unifying about the person. There's plenty of time for that later. Well, you can tell the difference in the class level of our various presidents over the course of history and kind of why Donald Trump is president thanks to the reactions yesterday at the John Lewis Memorial. So there were several presidents who spoke at the memorial for Congressman Lewis. Lewis, of course, was a disciple of Martin Luther King Jr. He was one of the leaders of the civil rights movement. He famously was one of the people who attempted to desegregate lunch counters by peacefully protesting at lunch counters. He, he helped lead the, the March at Selma, a real hero in, in his younger days, and then served in Congress, obviously, in many ways, heroically. And this is somebody with whom I disagreed on politics, I would say, a lot, a lot. But You still try to look for the good in people, and not only the good. I mean, this is somebody who really did contribute to making the country a better place over the course of his life. Well, George W. Bush gave a speech yesterday, and it was amusing to watch members of the media suddenly recognize that George W. Bush was a good person. And Jonathan Capehart at the Washington Post is like, well, George W. Bush, what a wonderful man. What an incredible man. What a great speech. Yeah, five minutes ago, you all were saying that George W. Bush was the worst scourge of the earth. And frankly, I look forward to the time four years from now or eight years from now, whenever Trump is no longer in office and another Republican is running, when Democrats turn around and talk about what a bipartisan guy Donald Trump was, because that's how, how it always works. Ronald Reagan was the worst until George H.W. Bush was running, at which point Reagan became the good Republican. Then George H.W. Bush was the worst until Bob Dole was running, at which point George H.W. Bush became a wonderful, wonderful man. Then Bob Dole was bad all the way up till George W. Bush was running. And the same pattern holds true. So there will be a great irony to the fact you watch Four years from now, eight years from now, there will be a lot of talk about even Donald Trump didn't do this. Even Donald Trump wasn't as Donald Trump. I mean, that was a a bipartisan messenger for the ages. Anyway, George W. Bush gives a speech yesterday. Very classy speech at the John Lewis Memorial. A couple notes about the John Lewis Memorial. Generally, first of all, look like a generally beautiful event. Also, there, there is a gap between how elites in this country are viewed with regard to attending public events at this time and people who are, quote unquote, the little people. And if you're a, a quote unquote, little person in America, meaning a non-politician, a non-prominent person in America, and you look at the large scale memorial event for John Lewis and you think to yourself, hold up, my mom died in the hospital alone and we still haven't been able to hold a memorial. Why do we get to do this for John Lewis? That is not an unfair question. It really isn't. When you look at, at Andrew Cuomo in New York saying that if you go to Georgia and you come back from Georgia, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And then you look, at a wide variety of people from D.C. and New York going to John Lewis's memorial. Do you think any of them are going to quarantine when they get back to D.C. or New York? Of course not, even though the the memorial service was held in Georgia. Anyway, George W. Bush's speech was quite good. Here was George W. Bush talking about John Lewis and how he made the country a better place. We, the people, including congressmen and presidents, can have differing views on how to perfect our union while sharing the conviction that our nation, however flawed, is at heart a good and noble one. We live in a better and nobler country today because of John Lewis and his abiding faith in the power of God. 
in the power of democracy and in the power of love to lift us all to a higher ground. Yeah, I mean, that's that's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to say. And that is why you saw so many people paying tribute to Bush. Now, remember, Bush was the villain until five seconds ago. As soon as a Republican is not in power, the Republican becomes you know, just a normal, nice guy that we all hang out with. When he's in power, he's super duper duper evil. Well, Bill Clinton also spoke at the memorial event and Bill Clinton was slightly more political than Bush. He talked about sort of the continuing mission of John Lewis. John Lewis had a posthumous obituary that was published in the Washington Post in which he talked about the continuing mission and he name-checked a bunch of people who were supposedly victims of the police, including a couple of people like Rayshard Brooks, who was not a victim of the police. In any case, Clinton invoked sort of John Lewis's politics in a vague sense going forward, which, again, if you're vague about it, is not unfair. He also invoked the differences between Stokely Carmichael and John Lewis. Stokely Carmichael, of course, was uh, significantly more an advocate of violence than John Lewis, who's very much into nonviolence. Bill Clinton did this. He got ripped up and down for it. Just three years later, he lost the leadership of SNCC to Stokely Carmichael. He showed as a young man, there are some things that you cannot do to hang on to a position because if you do them, you won't be who you are anymore. There were two or three years there where the movement went a little bit too far towards Stokely, but in the end, John Lewis prevailed. Okay, and that's actually a good point, but people on the left were very angry at Bill Clinton for having said this, because right now we're seeing violence in our streets, and that's Bill Clinton basically slapping at the violence in the streets. That's him saying that John Lewis would not have been in favor of the violence in the streets that we've been seeing the rioting and the looting which he is right about. He got slapped by a columnist over at The Root for this, saying, why are you invoking Stokely Carmichael here? Again, there's a rationale for it. But the real politicization was reserved for Barack Obama, who got extraordinarily political. And it is a reminder of why Donald Trump is president. Because Barack Obama is a much more elegant speaker. He's a much more subtle person than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is just the very loud, and he's the checkered suit version of Barack Obama. Barack Obama was a used car salesman in a really nice suit. And Donald Trump is a used car salesman in in a checkered plaid suit. That is the main difference between them because Barack Obama is purely political. He is a political animal. He will say purely openly political things that are bizarre and and over the top and really kind of crazy. And he'll do it at a memorial service. And then the media will praise him as a statesman. And Donald Trump is like, okay, just get rid of the statesman and I'll just say all this stuff out loud. And I'll say the quiet part out loud. The truth is that Barack Obama got all the plaudits for being a, a master of subtlety. He never was particularly subtle, right? He was He's more subtle than Trump. But that's because literally all the things are more subtle than Trump. All Trump is, is you you strip off the veneer of Barack Obama and the political, the overt politicization of all the things. They're kind of the same. They're kind of the same. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you are overspending on your wireless bill. You really are. Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, but but I use my, my cell phone all the time. You do use your cell phone all the time. But if you're not using unlimited data, you are really, really overpaying. Who is your wireless provider, by the way? AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile? What if I told you that Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers, the same towers, the same exact coverage, but literally costs you half? How does it become so affordable? Well, there are no retail stores, so low overhead. You're not funding their billion-dollar ad campaigns, and you're only paying for the data you need. So no contract, no excessive fees. You'll enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just 20 bucks a month. That is right. The average person is saving 400 bucks a year on their wireless bill. So Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you get this amazing deal and save 50% off your first month. Again, that is pound 250, pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro, and you're saving 50 bucks off on your cell phone bill, which is great. Again, you're not using the unlimited data, you're just paying for it. So why not get a better deal right now with the same coverage you'd be getting from the big, huge companies? Grab that mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro, and get started right now. Save 50% off your first month as well. Okay, so... Barack Obama, an overtly political animal. So Barack Obama gets up at John Lewis's memorial. And in the process, he slams federal agents and compares them to George Wallace. I'm sorry, this is incredibly ugly stuff. The idea that federal agents today are the same as Jim Crow, Bull Connor, racist police officers in 1960 Selma is patently insane. It's crazy. Again, what you're watching in America's major cities where federal agents are defending federal property from mostly white rioters and looters, by the way, who are attempting to set buildings on fire. That's nuts. But this is, Barack Obama was a demagogue. And never never forget that Barack Obama was a demagogue. I know that we're supposed to pretend that Donald Trump is the first demagogue in American history. I know we're supposed to pretend that all of political time space began with the Big Bang that was Donald Trump. It is not true. Donald Trump was a direct response to the, to the 
malicious manipulation of Barack Obama. Barack Obama was a terrible president. He was a terrible, divisive president. And the media gaslit you about that. The media pretended that he was a unifying force. The media would cherry pick his speeches. The parts where he would talk about, we're not a red, red America, we're blue America, we're United States of America. And then they'd ignore all the crap where he suggested that we absolutely were not united, that racism is in America's DNA. They would ignore the parts where he basically winked and nodded at rioting in Ferguson in Baltimore. They just ignore that. I mean, what, what you're about to hear him say, again, at, a, at the memorial for a dead man, right, a man who united the country around principles that at the time were extraordinarily controversial, but became the culture, right? This was the counterculture. It became the culture, thank God, a culture of racial tolerance and racial, and, and racial understanding and a belief in Martin Luther King's dream. And here's Barack Obama pretending there's no difference between Bull Connor police officers shooting fire hoses at John Lewis in 1960 and federal officers attempting to fight rioting and looting in America's major cities in 2020, 60 years later. And this is demagoguery of the highest order. Here's Barack Obama being a demagogue. Bull Connor may be gone, but today we witness with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. Okay, th this is this is such demo it, it truly is demagoguery. It, it, it is unrelated to reality. The, even the notion that that Bull Connor is gone, but Derek Chauvin still exists. There is no evidence at this point that Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck out of racial animus. There isn't. Okay, that evidence may come, but that evidence does not exist. It's there's not a single person who agrees that what Derek Chauvin did was good, decent, justified, or non-jailable. No one. Okay, but Derek. To, to draw a direct line between Bull Connor and Derek Chauvin without any evidence whatsoever, or to pretend that was commonplace and, and not only commonplace, but enshrined in Jim Crow law is similar in any way to what happened with Derek Chauvin is utterly patently crazy. Okay, but Obama gets away with this kind of stuff because the media have decided for years that they are simply going to carry around drool cups for the guy. It's amazing. It's amazing. Then Obama called the filibuster. He went after the Senate filibuster. Again, this is at a memorial for a man who just died and spent his life attempting to unify the nation around racial issues. Here is Barack Obama saying that the Senate filibuster is a Jim Crow holdover, which is pretty incredible because I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama, Senator Barack Obama, filibustered Samuel Alito for the Supreme Court, tried to filibuster him. I'm old enough to remember when Democrats, like five seconds ago, filibustered Senator Tim Scott's police reform bill. Was that a Jim Crow vestige? By essentially saying that the filibuster is racist, this does give the lie to the idea that Democrats don't want to tear down the system. Now, in a bit, we're going to get to Donald Trump saying something about delaying elections that really does tear away at the roots of the democracy. But to pretend that Democrats are not doing the same thing and haven't been doing the same thing for a long time is to cut against all available evidence. Here's Barack Obama suggesting that the Senate filibuster is a tool of Jim Crow, despite the fact that he himself used the filibuster when he was in the Senate. And Democrats have been very fond of the filibuster. They were using it against George W. Bush's judicial nominees. Here's, here's Barack Obama, again, demagoguing. That Donald Trump is president because everybody decided that Barack Obama, speaking this way, was completely apolitical. Here he was calling the filibuster Jim Crow. Once we pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, we should keep marching by guaranteeing that every American citizen has equal representation in our government, including the American citizens who live in Washington, D.C. and in Puerto Rico. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. Okay, this is such cynical bullshit. I'm sorry, it is. It's incredibly cynical. It's unbelievably cynical. This is a man who's happy to use the filibuster when it was in his own benefit. And who's anti-filibuster when it's not in his benefit. And this is something I do talk about in my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. One of the goals of the Constitution and many of the Senate procedures is to create checks and balances. Why? Because America's rights are preserved through checks and balances. The idea is that a government that is unable to stomp on those rights at will will not be able to stomp on those rights at will. The idea is that when you set up these checks and balances, it prevents a pure majority, the tyranny of the mob, the tyranny of the majority from stomping on the rights of the minority. And for all the people who are like, well, yeah, but, you know, in, in the South, it, a, a pure majority was able to, to stomp on the rights of the minority. It, that's exactly the point. The point is there should have been more checks and balances. The federal government should have stepped in and stopped the, tr the trampling of rights in the states. The filibuster 
is simply a tool to prevent the trampling of minority rights by majorities. That is one of the goals of the filibuster. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't times when the filibuster can't be used for nefarious purposes. The Civil Rights Act was filibustered by Strom Thurmond. But it is also true that there are many procedures that are written into the Constitution with the direct intent of making sure that there has to be a broad spectrum support for particular policy before it goes into law. One of the points of the filibuster is to create exactly the sorts of checks and balances on pure majoritarianism that allow for the for the destruction of individual American rights. And, and here's the point. When it, when it comes to Democrats, very often when they talk about institutions, they don't care about the institutions. The institutions are either a barrier or a weapon. So the filibuster is sometimes a weapon. That's when it's good. And then when it's not good, then they get rid of it. Barack Obama, within five minutes, will be arguing that the Senate itself should be done away with because the Senate, as it turns out, is actually non-representational. Right? Having two senators for each state, two for Wyoming and two for California, when the population of Wyoming is seven people and the population of California is 40 million people, that's unrepresentative. It's undemocratic. So Democrats will stomp in favor of the Senate when they control it. And they want to add senators from Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. And then they'll stump against the Senate when they don't control it. They'll stump in favor of the filibuster when they can use it in their favor. And they will stump against the filibuster when it, is, when it is wrong, which suggests that they don't care about the institutions of government one iota. It's not about the institutions of government. It's about what they can use the government to do to you. So this kind of demagoguery, Barack Obama was an awful president and he's an awful ex-president. And then Obama continued along these lines. We'll get to more of Barack Obama demagoguing at the, at the memorial service for John Lewis in just one second first. Let's talk about the fact that if you believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility, you believe in the Second Amendment. One of the things that many people are after right now is the Second Amendment, the destruction of the Second Amendment. They believe that the Second Amendment is a, is a barrier to the goals of the federal government. They believe that individuals who are responsible owning guns is somehow a threat to public safety, which is obviously untrue. The founders enshrined rights in the Constitution, and they recognized that the people needed to be armed in order to protect themselves against the tyranny of government and, yes, against crime as well. The people at Bravo Company MFG support the right of responsible private individuals to have the access and ability to employ the same tools as civilian law enforcement as a means of defending ourselves, our loved ones, our communities, and our freedoms should a threatening situation ever arise. And given the fact that so many in law enforcement have now been barred from protecting you and your property, this becomes more vital than ever. BCM assumes that when a rifle leaves their shop, it could be used in a life or death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. So quality is of utmost value to them. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans. As an American, you have the luxury of living in a free society where it can improve your life through education, religious exploration, and the open exchange of ideas. Every American is responsible to question, debate, confront issues that affect our lives if and when your life and liberty ever come under serious governmental threat or any other threat. Firearms, a means to preserve the lives and liberties of ourselves and, our, and others. The founding fathers understood this. They understood this clearly. So do the folks over at BCM. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com or check them out at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. That's youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Okay, so... President Obama didn't just stop at calling for the overthrow of the filibuster and suggesting that today's police and federal agents are in league with George Wallace and Bull Connor. He then suggested that there is a wide variety of attempts to stop the vote. Again, there is no evidence of this. The idea of widespread voter suppression in the United States is nonsense. It is nonsense. It's nonsense when Donald Trump says it. It is nonsense when Barack Obama says it. It is nonsense. The black population of the United States, thank God, votes in heavy numbers. And in the last several election cycles, and certainly when Barack Obama was elected in both 2008 and 2012, outvoted their share of the population. But Barack Obama is fully on board with the Stacey Abrams lie that black people are systematically being prevented from the vote, which is, it is a lie. There is no evidence that this is the case, that there are people out there who are like, black people shouldn't vote. Here is Barack Obama suggesting that some people's like, some people's like, but I shouldn't go so political at a memorial. But guess what? Standards don't apply to me. I'm gonna say whatever I please. I'm just gonna make crap up. Let's go. There are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision. Now, I know this is a celebration of John's life. There are some who might say... We shouldn't dwell on such things. But that's why I'm talking about it. Oh, well, you know, there's some who say that stopping black people from voting ain't a problem. But I'm going to talk about it anyway. 
No one's saying you can't talk about it. But you are lying. The, the notion that black people in America are being systematically deprived of the vote is just not true. It is not true. Okay, Show me the evidence and don't give me voter ID. Okay, Voter ID is not an attempt to stop people from voting. Voter ID is a fine idea approved by, by the way, in every poll, a majority of nearly every demographic group, including black folks, as far as I'm aware. Okay, but, but Barack Obama, is this, this is how you got Donald Trump. You guys want to know how you got Donald Trump? You gaslit the entire American population. He suggested over and over that this man was the epitome of class, that he was above politics, that he was some sort of godlike figure from on high. He is just a, a typical Chicago-style machine politician. He always was. And here he was using a memorial service for a man whose politics I disagreed with in many ways, but who did do incredible good for the United States. And instead of just paying tribute to him in a classy way, the way George W. Bush did, Barack Obama got up there and suggested that America is living with the vestiges of Jim Crow and Bull Connor, he suggested that, that America is dominated by neo-segregationists and people attempting to stop black people from voting. He was a deeply divisive president. The divisions on race in this country did not start with Donald Trump. Look back at the polls. Divisions on race in this country began in 2009 with Barack Obama getting overtly, overtly racially political. You can look at the polls. Hopes for racial reconciliation in this country were never higher than when Barack Obama was elected. And within two years of his election, they'd completely cratered. And they continue to crater today. It was an, honestly, it was an ugly spectacle. It was an ugly spectacle. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama went out there during the Ferguson rioting and said, people don't make up things like this. He was talking about the Michael Brown shooting. The Michael Brown shooting, by the way, was a good shoot. In fact, it turns out that after another review of the Michael Brown shooting by Officer Darren Wilson, it turns out five years after the, six years after the case, the case has been dismissed again. According to the Daily Wire today, Amanda Prestigiacomo reporting, St. Louis County Prosecuting Attorney Wesley Bell announced on Thursday he will not be bringing charges against former Ferguson Police Department Officer Darren Wilson, who fatally shot Michael Brown 18 back in 2014. During a Thursday press conference, Bell announced the news by prefacing it as, quote, one of the most difficult things I've had to do, noting that his heart breaks for the Browns. The question for the office was a simple one. Could we prove beyond a reasonable doubt that when Darren Wilson shot Michael Brown, he committed murder or manslaughter under Missouri law, Bell asked. After an independent and in-depth review of the evidence, we cannot prove that he did. He, by the way, is the county's first black prosecutor. He reopened, reopened the case after taking office. One of the reasons he gained office is because of disapproval for no case against Darren Wilson in the first place. And then he looked at the evidence and he said, sorry, we can't actually make a case. Bell said his office conducted a five-month review of witness statements, forensic reports, and other evidence. The AP noted, adding his investigation does not exonerate Darren Wilson. By the way, it's not the way the criminal justice process works. If you are not convicted, that does not mean you are not that does not mean that you are exonerated. There is no exonerated standard in criminal law. They're just not prosecuted. So you also don't get to clear not exonerated. That's not the way this works. Bell said, "I know this is not the result they were looking for, and that their pain will continue forever." Jim Towey, Wilson's attorney, noted Bell's review had the same conclusion as Bell's predecessor, a grand jury, and the U.S. DOJ. That was Obama's DOJ, by the way. There was no crime. The Obama Justice Department at the time pointed out that there was no crime. But it doesn't matter. Democrats have continued to lie about the Michael Brown shooting and use it as the basis for a political campaign to suggest that America and, and its police officers are deeply racist. Now, as we will see, the exploitation of prominent people's death was not relegated to John Lewis yesterday. It also extended over to Herman Cain, the 74-year-old former Republican candidate for president in 2012, the first black Republican ever to lead presidential polling in 2012. He passed away. He passed away from COVID. And that led the media to jump on his death and use it for their own political purposes. This is about as ugly as it gets, guys. It really is ugly. Between the demagoguery of Barack Obama over John Lewis's death and the attempts to link George Wallace with today's federal law enforcement protecting federal buildings from rioters and looters, and the media jumping on Herman Cain's death to blame President Trump. This is hideous stuff. It really is. And it really does disintegrate the country. It just rules of basic decency completely out the window. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that computer systems in cars are the norm, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But you don't know how to fix any of that stuff. What are you, a car expert? So when something breaks, it could cost a fortune. Now is not the time for expensive repairs. That is why I have CarShield and you should as well. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as 99 bucks a month. No long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield will give you options others won't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work. CarShield takes care of the rest. 
They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. For as low as 99 bucks a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000, mention code BEN, or visit carshield.com and use code BEN to save 10%. That is carshield.com, use code BEN, a deductible may apply. Again, protect yourself from the expenses attached to fixing your car. car call 800-CAR-6000, mention code BEN, or go to carshield.com, use code BEN to save 10% solid deal on protecting yourself from the payments that come with having a car that breaks down. Go check them out. 800-CAR-6000. Mention code Ben. Carshield.com. Use code Ben. Save 10%. Okay, so when it comes to public deaths, the, the insanity is not relegated to the memorial for John Lewis. It extended over to Herman Cain, Chris Cuomo, who is just terrible. I mean, just a terrible, terrible quote-unquote reporter. Not, a, not Apparently not a particularly good person either. And, and I say that advisedly. Maybe he's a nice guy. I, I really don't have an idea. But it seems kind of gross that when Herman Cain dies of COVID, your first move is, let me yell at President Trump about it. Like that. First of all, Herman Cain had agency. Second of all, Herman Cain's life story was not him dying of COVID. Herman Cain's life story was growing up in segregated Atlanta and becoming president of a Federal Reserve Bank and running Papa John's and getting a degree while serving in the U.S. Navy. Herman Cain had a long and rich life. And now his death has been reduced to he died of COVID and it's Trump's fault by the media which is pretty disgusting. It truly is. Here was Chris Cuomo yesterday saying that it's Trump's fault that Herman Cain is dead, despite the fact there's no evidence that Cain actually obtained the virus at Trump's rally in Tulsa. And Herman Cain happens to be a, an individual with the agency of his own. Here was uh, Chris Cuomo blaming Trump. Former presidential candidate, Herman Cain. Yes, he supported the president. The president says he was a good friend of his. We wish his family well, and we wish that he rest in peace. And I wish that this president have no peace until he thinks about what he's exposing people to. He didn't even mention that Mr. Kane was at his rally among the maskless masses right before he was diagnosed. Now, maybe he didn't get it there. Sure as hell didn't help. Sure as hell didn't help. How the hell do you know anything? You don't know anything is the answer. By the way, it wasn't uh, Papa John's, obviously. Uh, it was uh, Godfather's Pizza. In any case, first of all, who the hell is Chris Cuomo to talk about this? Chris Cuomo, who went on air every single night and massaged his brother's ass on air as his brother presided over the largest death toll in America from COVID-19. Chris Cuomo, who every night was talking about the glories of public rallies in which people were not wearing masks and had not one thing to say about pandemic preparedness or pandemic protection, while these massive rallies on social justice warrior messaging took place in the streets. Chris Cuomo, who spent his evenings showing up on national TV with giant nasal swabs to make fun of his brother's nose size. Chris Cuomo, who ditched his own quarantine in order to apparently go to his second house while he had COVID. That guy is going to lecture Trump about Herman Cain. Again, without any evidence that, that Cain picked this thing up at the Trump rally. By the way, I, I do have a question. Everybody's saying, well, this is because, you know, it's because Herman Cain didn't wear a mask. My understanding is that the masks don't protect you. They protect everybody else. Isn't that the math of the masks? We've been told that routinely, that the only masks that protect you are the N95 respirators that are used in hospitals. And if you're wearing a surgical mask, it protects everybody else. It doesn't protect you. So even if you've been wearing a mask, that wouldn't have protected him from getting it, presumably. Right? That is what we have been told, unless I'm getting that very, very wrong. And by the way, that's not a case against mask wearing. But again, the, the, the media's attempt to twist this into a story of Trumpian evil and to reduce Herman Cain's life to his death is really disgusting. Reuters did the same thing. So Reuters had a headline about Herman Cain. Here was their headline about, again, a man who at one point led the 2012 Republican presidential race a man who served on the Federal Reserve Board of Chairs, uh, a man who spent his entire life becoming a success in the United States as a black man in America growing up in a segregated America in Atlanta. Here was how Reuters summed up Herman Cain's life. Quote, Herman Cain, a former Republican presidential candidate and supporter of President Trump who refused to wear a mask during the coronavirus pandemic has died after contracting COVID-19. Yeah, he got a dunk on the guy because he didn't wear a mask. It seems to me that so much of the focus on mask wearing Listen, again, I, I think you should wear a mask. I've been saying consistently for months, as soon as the conventional wisdom turned, I've been saying, what's the harm? Wear the mask. It can't hurt. And that, that's what I've been saying for months. Okay, so this is not a diatribe against mask wearing, what I'm about to say. But it seems to me that many of the people who are focused in on dunking on people who die after, quote unquote, not wearing masks, what they're really attempting to do is create in their own minds a protective shield by which they say, OK, well, if I do all of the approved things, then for sure I won't die. For sure I'll be OK. But if I wear the mask, 
And if I and if I pay attention to what the media tell me, then I, I won't die. Then I'll be okay. And the answer is, there's no evidence that that's the case. Okay, and the answer is, I'm sure there are many people who have died who have been pretty careful about this stuff. In fact, there are stories of people who have been pretty careful about this stuff who are dying. It's, there's a certain amount of dissociation that is going on. And listen, I understand it. I get it. I do the same thing. I'm a human being. Everybody does. Whenever somebody dies, the first question you ask is how. And then if they did something of which you don't approve, you go, oh, well, at least it won't happen to me. Okay, but Herman Cain's life story is not about how he died. It's about how he lived. And the attempt to reduce him to his death method so that you can smack around Donald Trump on mask wearing. By the way, while Donald Trump is going out and now preaching that everybody should wear masks is pretty gross. And this was the predominant sentiment, by the way, online yesterday. Leftists blaming Herman Cain for his own death and suggesting that Donald Trump is responsible for his own death. Tony Posnadsky tweeted out, there's another one of these blue checkmarked lefties. He tweeted out, I feel bad for Herman Cain and his family, but I don't feel bad for his selfishness, his mocking of a deadly disease, nor convincing others it is safe to go maskless. I refuse to have sympathy for those who put my family in danger. Wear an MFing mask. Okay, I wonder what he has to say about Denmark or Netherlands where they have refused to mandate mask wearing because they say that the evidence on it is pretty scanty, which, by the way, it kind of is. That doesn't mean you shouldn't wear a mask. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be careful. But to pretend that the evidence is absolutely clear neglects the fact that there are plenty of countries where they are not mandating mask wearing because the evidence is not exactly clear at this point. Over and over and over again, members of the media were, pay- were, were using Herman Cain's death to dunk on the man, which is just really kind of disgusting. Anna Navarro, who's become just a bleep show, she tweeted out, Herman Cain thought COVID was a hoax, scoffed at wearing a mask, died of COVID. That is not true. There's a post on Herman Cain's website today from his staff pointing out that he has started every podcast recently with the note that everybody should wash your hands a lot. And yes, that when you're in public, you should wear a mask. Bill Montgomery, she says, Bill Montgomery, co-founder of pro-Trump Turning Point USA, scoffed at virus, died of COVID. Representative Gohmert refused to wear a mask, has COVID. See a pattern? COVID doesn't care about partisanship. Okay, I, I don't remember Anna Navarro tweeting the same thing about mass rallies in the streets where people were not wearing their masks. You know, so long as you can dunk on people, then you can feel good about yourself. So really well done all around. Well done. Just the country is getting better moment by moment. Can't you feel it? Really good stuff. In just a second, we're going to get to the NBA making the country better. One weird jersey name at a time. We'll get to that momentarily. First, let's talk about something nice. I know. I know the news has been so annoying and so bad lately. But let's talk about something nice you can do for yourself, do for your family. I'm talking about a beautiful portrait of you and your family done by a professional artist, done to spec. It's really great, and it's not going to cost you a fortune. You should go out and you should try paintyourlife.com. You can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. Their user-friendly platform lets you order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. You can send any picture, yourself, your kids, family, a special place, cherished pet, or you can combine photos into one painting. It makes a perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift. It's meaningful, it's personal, it can be cherished forever. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you get 20% off your painting. That is correct. 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Ben to 64,000. Text Ben to 64,000. Again, text Ben to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. You get 20% off and free shipping when you text Ben to 64,000 and get started. It really is fantastic. I have a portrait of my family hanging above our mantle at home from Paint Your Life. It is one of my favorite things in the house. In fact, I have to get another one because we have a new baby. She's the cutest person in the entire world. Oh my God, she's just spectacular. It's sad to me that the internet is such a garbage place. Otherwise, you would be forced to agree that my baby is in fact the cutest person. But I will know that because I will have a painting from Paint Your Life on my mantle of my baby. She's so cute. Ooh, squishy baby. Text Ben to 64,000 and check out Paint Your Life right now for the 20% discount. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the NBA, making the country better one jersey at a time. We'll get to that momentarily first. It is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. Today, it's GOP Josh on Twitter, who not only has quality fashion sense, but also understands the importance of nourishing the mind as well as the body. In the picture, Josh is holding the world's most elite beverage vessel in one hand and a copy of my new book, how to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps in the Other While Sporting American Flag Sunglasses and American Eagle T-Shirt and a Keep America Great Hat. The caption reads, Ben Shapiro, great book, great beverage vessel, hashtag leftist tears tumbler. You, sir, wise beyond your years. Thanks for the shout out. I hope you're enjoying the book. I know you are because it's a great book. Speaking of interesting news, the SpaceX capsule will be landing this Sunday, August 2nd. It is the first time SpaceX will have completed a successfully crewed mission to the ISS and the, and the first time in over a decade that a crewed spaceship was launched from the United States. It's a pretty awesome deal. We will be live streaming it across YouTube, Facebook, and DailyWire.com, featuring a special all-access live discussion with DailyWire God King Jeremy Boring, who's obsessed with this kind of stuff. All-access members can join the chat and talk to Jeremy during the live stream of the mission, and then stick around afterward for a live stream Q&A. You can watch him answer your questions in real time, so don't miss out. 
Join all access at dailywire.com slash Shapiro. Get 20% off with code access. That's dailywire.com slash Shapiro, 20% off with code access. Also, reminder, my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, is available right now. It is number two on every bestseller chart, except for the New York Times, where it's number three. Get your copy at Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. If you like the book, please hop in and leave a five-star review. It keeps it higher on the chart so more people see it. Enjoy. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Well, at least if we're going to live in the most garbage timeline, we have distractions like the NBA, right? I mean, at least we can enjoy sports together until they decide to politicize everything about sports and make them stupid. So I'm not saying you can't enjoy basketball. You can, but it does take a little bit of overlooking when they decide that social justice warrior messaging is going to be just poured into, just, I mean, up to the brim, into the NBA, into the MLB, into the NFL. Apparently the end zones in the NFL are going to have things like equality and stand for justice, like on the end zones now. It's great. I mean, honestly, what they what they really should just do is they should just label. These are all in-kind contributions to the Democratic Party, because let's be frank about this. All of the sloganeering here is designed to back up a particular narrative about America is systemically racist that the Democratic Party preaches. Right? The, the, we, are, we are engaged right now in, again, what, what linguists call semantic overload. There's nothing wrong with the principle of equality before the law. Right? That is a very good principle. There's nothing wrong with the principle of peace, right? All of these things are good. But let's be real about this. When people say Black Lives Matter and they put it on the side of a basketball court, what they do not mean is that Black Lives Matter are the same as white lives and all lives matter. That's not what they mean. They do not, because that's eminently obvious. What they mean is that America is systemically racist, right? That is the semantic overload point. Because if you say to them, I agree, Black Lives Matter and also America is not systemically racist, then they will respond and say, then you don't agree Black Lives Matter, which means that you are just using a semantically overloaded term so that you can avoid saying what you actually mean because what you actually mean is a lot more unpopular than what you're saying. Right? That, that, that is what is happening right near, right now. Every single person agrees in America that Black Lives Matter because you'd be an awful human being not to agree that Black Lives Matter. But that is not what Black Lives Matter advocates mean when they say Black Lives Matter. What they actually mean is that police are evil and that America is systemically racist and that all inequality is a result of systematic inequity. Right? That's what they actually mean. So the NBA has decided to go full bore on this. So last night they had the relaunched NBA inside the bubble and all the players knelt for the national anthem. So now everybody's Kaepernicking. Because obviously America's a terrible, horrible place where you get to earn millions of dollars for playing a child's game in front of adoring audiences. And Americans care so little about black lives that they are, they are more than happy to watch basketball players paid millions of dollars to dunk a basketball. Very, very cruel country this is. Deeply cruel, terrible country in which Americans obviously don't agree that black lives matter, which is why we spend tens of millions of dollars watching games and patronizing products that are advertised by these spokespeople. And the American flag is responsible. The American flag is bad. For the revisionist historians who suggest that kneeling for the national anthem, by the way, is a sign of respect for the flag, it was never meant as a sign of respect for the, for, for the flag. It was meant as a sign of disrespect for the flag. It was meant that way. It was meant originally as a, as a signifier that America is systemically racist and the flag represents that systemic racism. Again, you, you can do, uh, like, I'm, at least the MLB knelt before the national anthem. But kneeling for the national anthem is saying that the national anthem is not true and that the flag is not true. So the NBA led off with this, which, of course, makes it harder to watch the game because, again, no one is watching basketball to hear the social justice warrior messaging. But they decided to get even more obvious about it. They did this routine where they basically went full XFL. If you remember the XFL, people were putting names on their jerseys like he hate me. There's nicknames on their jersey. He hate me was the most famous one. Well, yesterday, the NBA had players wearing words on their jerseys, like slogans on their jerseys. And it seems to me they should just put Biden 2020 on their jerseys if this is what they really think, or America sucks on their jerseys if that's what they really think. Instead, you had the bizarre picture of players throwing up alley-oops well. Like, if you don't know the players, you literally have no idea who is playing right now. Like, the purpose of the name on the back of the jersey used to be to identify the players. So instead, you had equality throwing an alley-oop for peace. I'm not kidding. Meta World Peace was really ahead of his time. A man ahead of, world be free, a man ahead of his time. Here, here is actually like that's actually what happened. I mean, I don't even know how the announcers announced this. And they, they know the names of the players. But if, if you didn't, right, if you're just watching this thing, it's like, man, coming up the court is equality. Here comes equality running up the court, throws up an alley-oop to peace. And there's peace slamming it home over say their names. That, that's literally how, how it looked yesterday. That would be the sound that you'd hear down under. Strong finish. Zion Williamson on a special delivery. 
Equality throwing it up to Peace. You He's also ironically dunking over Peace. With the so Peace got posterized right here. Peace got dunked on. To the wing. Zion just spins exciting, out. exciting stuff. So Equality throws it up for Peace. Peace dunks over Peace. Good, good stuff, everybody. Um, yeah. I, I noticed Free Hong Kong was benched. So uh, stop the NBA's Chinese talent sweatshop. That, that person never made it to the court. So that, that's, that's too bad. Charles Barkley got a lot of flack yesterday because Charles Barkley, who may be the only sane person left dealing with the NBA, he said, by the way, if you don't kneel, you're not a bad person. And everybody's like, yes, you are. You're a bad person if you don't kneel. We've reached the point where that which is not barred is mandatory. Where it, it, it's not that, remember we started off with like, should Colin Kaepernick be allowed to kneel? And most people are like, I think it's a bad idea, but like, I don't think you should be banned from, from kneeling. Like, I think, I think it's kind of a, garbagey thing to do, but I don't think you should be banned. And now it's mandatory. You're a bad person who doesn't care about black people if you don't kneel for the national anthem. A national anthem that represents a country that has seen more racial progress than any other country in human history and in which the richest black people on planet Earth live by average income. Okay, but but apparently Charles Barkley's a bad guy for saying that if you don't kneel, you're not a bad person. Like this is how far we have come. My thing is, listen, the national anthem means different things to different people. Uh, I'm glad these guys are all unified. But if people, if people don't kneel, they're not a bad person. Uh, I, I want to make that perfectly clear. Uh, I'm glad they had unity. But if we have a guy who doesn't want to kneel because the answer means something to him, he should not. Okay, and everybody came down on Barkley. How dare he say that? He's not woke enough, Charles Barkley. Yeah, all right. Well, th- this, this is the way the culture is moving. Uh, by, by the way, speaking of the way the culture is moving, I have to read you the, the best headline of the day. It is from CNN on a slightly different topic. You ready for this headline from CNN? This is spectacular. They brought out this morning, quote, individuals with the cervix are now recommended to start cervical cancer screenings at 25 and continue through age 65 with HPV testing every five years as the preferred method of testing, according to a new guideline released by the American Cancer Society. You notice something wrong with that particular headline? Individuals with a cervix are recommended to start cervical cancer screenings. You know what we call individuals with the cervix in the real world? We call them women. Remember that time when CNN said an apple is not a banana, a banana is not an apple? Now, apparently, a banana can have an apple, which is really exciting stuff. Individuals with a cervix. Do you, sir, take this individual with a cervix to be your lawfully wedded wife? How romantic. Wokeness has proceeded so far that women have been completely erased. They don't even exist anymore. Individuals with a cervix. Individuals with a cervix. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Now, here's the thing. There will be a backlash to this. And the backlash, I think, will come in the form of reasonable people just saying, you know what? No, I'm not kneeling for the national anthem, nor do I frankly feel like patronizing basketball games where I'm lectured about how America is systemically racist by people who are earning millions and millions of dollars to call America systemically racist. Uh, Honestly, the best thing that happened yesterday is maybe the only good thing that happened yesterday was Trader Joe's said, you know what? We're not changing our our labels. (laughs) Remember a few days ago, there was a big story about people petitioning saying that Trader Jose's like guacamole was racist. Well, Trader Joe's put out a statement. And they're like, nope, nope. They said a few weeks ago, an online petition was co- launched calling on us to, quote, remove racist packaging from our products. Following were inaccurate reports that the petition prompted us to take action. We want to be clear. We disagree that any of these labels are racist. We do not make decisions based on petitions. Thank you. Thank you. It's about damn time somebody said this. They said we make decisions based on what customers purchased, as well as the feedback we receive from our customers and crew members. If we feel there is need for change, we do not hesitate to take action. Decades ago, our buying team started using product names like Trader Giatos, Trader Jose's, Trader Ming's, etc. We thought then, and still do, that this naming of products could be fun and show appreciation for other cultures. For example, we named our Mexican beer Trader Jose Premium. And a couple guacamole products are called Avocado's Number in a kitschy reference to a mathematical theory. These products have been really popular with our customers, including some budding mathematicians. Recently, we have heard from many customers reaffirming these name variations are largely viewed in exactly the way they were intended as an attempt to have fun with our product marketing. We'll continue our ongoing evaluation and those products that resonate with our customers and sell well will remain on our shelves. Good for Trader Joe's. Guess what? There's not going to be an end to this. There really is not. Because the, the social justice warrior insanity, it doesn't end at any point. There's no limiting principle to it, which is why you're seeing, and this one I love, you're seeing Beyonce come under fire. There's a, a new documentary. It's, like, it's not really a documentary. It's sort of like a, a movie that is called Black is King for Disney+. Plus. That is produced by Beyonce. Now, first of all, let me just point out that if Disney Plus launched a uh, launched a program called White is King, it would be the end of the world, right? It would be the end of the world. They launch a program called Black is King, and everybody's like, okay, totally fine. In any case, Black is King is based on The Lion King, which is, I mean, first of all, isn't that cultural appropriation? Like, it's based on Lion King. The music for Lion King was originally written by two white guys, Elton John and Tim Rice. 
And the story of Lion King is based on William Shakespeare's Hamlet, who happened to be a white guy. So seems like a little cultural appropriation. Now Beyonce's under a little bit of fire because it turns out that Beyonce is not in fact African. And for her to culturally appropriate African culture is sort of a problem for some people on the left. Not kidding. There are articles on this today. People defending Beyonce saying she's allowed to do it because she's disconnected from her history, but her disconnection from her own history is because of white intervention over slavery and all this. The fact that it's even a controversy is bizarre. She's paying tribute to Africa. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that it's a controversy shows how stupid everything is. In fact, things are so stupid that now Portland's wall of moms is falling apart. Portland's wall of moms. Remember, these are the woke white ladies who are supposedly protecting peaceful protesters who are actually vicious rioters and looters from the predations of federal police officers attempting to stop violations of law. Now the wall of moms is falling apart. Why? Because they were too white. Not kidding. According to Oregon Live, Portland's wall of moms, a group formed in recent weeks and quickly recognized as a staple of nightly downtown protests, was accused publicly Wednesday of anti-blackness by leaders of an existing black-led community group. Wall of Moms, whose members said they aim to support and protect other Black Lives Matter protesters near the fence in front of the federal courthouse, announced Friday that its white leadership had rescinded their positions to allow women of color to be in charge. So the Wall of Moms fell apart because they weren't black enough. New leaders announced Friday include Teresa Rayford, executive director of Don't Shoot Portland, Demetria Hester, and Danielle James. Less than a week later, Don't Shoot Portland took to Instagram to urge people against supporting the Wall of Moms, saying it was no longer working with the Moms Group. Because after leaving vulnerable black women downtown after marching, failing to support those on the ground that put trust in them, Wall of Moms leadership also found time to make three registrations through Oregon's Secretary of State. This was done without the knowledge of the black leadership that Wall of Moms was claiming to implement. The lies are finally clear. We are sad, but ultimately not surprised that anti-blackness showed its ugly face with Wall of Moms. Good times. They weren't woke enough because guess what? You're never woke enough. Ever, ever, ever. There is no, the wokeness never ends. It just, there's no limitations to the wokeness. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, all of this seems like pretty solid ground for President Trump to campaign. And so you got the Democrats seeking to undermine fundamental institutions of American Republicanism and checks and balances like filibusters. You have Democrats seeking to prop up rioting and looting. You have a system so woke that the wall of moms is not woke enough. You have every major cultural institution pushing social justice warrior messaging about how America is systemically evil. Wouldn't that be some pretty fertile ground for Trump to campaign? Uh, well, lest you forget, Donald Trump is busy distracting us all with absolute, utter, insane stupidity. So you remember that yesterday, President Trump floated the idea of postponing the election, which is fundamentally unconstitutional. You cannot do that. The, set, the election is set as the first as the first weekend in November, right? It has been set that way by the Constitution of the United States for well over 150 years. The president doesn't have that kind of power. Now, yesterday, I kind of shrugged it off a little bit because Trump says a lot of crap. And it's true, he does say a lot of crap. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend I take Trump particularly seriously as a person. I don't. I've never taken Trump particularly seriously as a person because I think if you do, then you're doing it wrong, frankly. That does not justify his activity in undermining fundamental faith in American democracy by saying, that the vote is going to be so corrupted that we should postpone the election, right? That is a tactic the Democrats have been using. Stacey Abrams has been using it. I mean, frankly, Barack Obama did it when he suggested that there's been widespread voter suppression against black Americans. It doesn't make it better when Trump does it. And Trump really opened the door to everybody clocking him. It's political malpractice and it's unconstitutional, unreasonable, foolish, and wrong for the president of the United States to threaten delaying the election. I mean, it really justifies a lot of the complaints about Trump that are that have I mean, I'm old enough to remember when I was defending Trump against charges, he was going to say stuff like this. And then he went ahead and said stuff like this. And that left running room for the left. So Chuck Schumer said, no, nah, the election is going to be November 3rd. And of course, he is correct about this. Once again, all he wants to do is divert from his abject failure in the coronavirus crisis. He says, oh, well, maybe we won't have an election. That's up to the Senate and the House. Mr. President, President Trump. The election will be on November, in November, on November 3rd, and you will not change it. He's right about Stop this. Stop diverting now, attention, President Trump. That's what you've done. Okay, for well, in months. any case, the, the rest of it is, is irrelevant, but that he's not wrong that the election will take place at this point. Now, the question is whether you take Trump with a grain of salt because he is fundamentally an unserious human being, which is what I've thought for a very long time that has not wavered for years or whether you take it super duper seriously. If you take it seriously, it's a fascist threat. If Barack Obama said, I'm delaying the election, everybody on the right would, would completely go nuts. The reason I don't take Trump as seriously as Obama is because I don't think that Trump is as serious a person as Obama. I think he mouths off. My proof for the fact that he just mouths off and says crap is that he mouths off and says crap. He himself said this. Yesterday, he came out and said, 
Glad I was able to get the very dishonest lamestream media to finally start talking about the risks to our democracy from dangerous universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which I totally support. So he came out and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, when I was saying delay the election, it was really just a misdirect tactic so people would talk about mail-in voting, which, God, God. Okay, so why not just say mail-in voting is bad? It is bad. There are reports about how bad it is. You don't have to do that. You don't have to make a fascistic threat to delay the election. It's like he deliberately wants to blow the election. I don't know what else to take away from, from this kind of idiocy. I really do not. The Democrats, all they had to do was not be nuts. They are nuts, and Trump could still lose the election because he's acting like this. And you know what? If he acts like this, frankly, it's on him. Alrighty. Well, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll be here on Monday. In the meantime, go pick up a copy of my brand new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. It describes everything that is going on, including the campaign against the filibuster now being pursued by Democrats. So go check that out. It is number three on the New York Times bestseller list, number two on the Wall Street Journal, Publishers Weekly, Amazon bestseller list. Make it number one by going to Amazon and picking up a copy today. I am Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.